Hey there, everybody. I'm Brother Donnie Spano, and I'm so glad to come together with you. And today we're looking at great grace. Now, we've talked in recent messages about this, and we're going to continue on. Today we're looking at something that I think a lot of people don't realize is possible, is that uh, we can fail of the grace of God. Now, we've talked about that in some length, and again, you're, you're welcome to get those at your convenience. They're uh, podcasts now. They're on our website. They're on YouTube, our channel there. So you're welcome to get a hold of those. Put them to good work in your life. And failing of the grace of God. Now, before we go there, let's look at, well, let's go there. Let's go to Hebrews 12, verse 14. And we're going to look at verses 14 through 17 of Hebrews 12. Now, as we've been looking at the grace of God, we've been primarily looking at the foundation of us as believers, as the church, and of Christianity, that one of the primary things from the start, uh, characteristics from the start, was great grace was upon us all. That there is this great grace, God's enabling power and his ability that comes on our life and enables us we saw last week to speak like others could not speak one of the things they kept saying about jesus was they wondered at the gracious words that proceeded from his mouth and there was a boldness they they said there never has a man spoke like this and when disciples came up after him they took note of them, that they had been with Jesus because of this boldness and this ability to speak. It's, it's called utterance through the scriptures, and it is God's grace to speak and say what we need to say in every area, in every way. And so now today, let's, we're there in Hebrews. I'm catching up. You might already be there. Hebrews 12. Thank you, Lord. And Hebrews 12, verses 14 through 17, we find this scripture talks about how we can fail of the grace of God. Now it says in the 14th verse, Follow peace with all, with all people, and holiness without which no man, no person shall see the Lord. And um, which goes to show there's going to be things that are God that we won't see until we make the choice to live a peaceful lifestyle which means we're not fighting we're not fussing we're not looking to uh, strive with people in our homes at our jobs in our churches where have you we just refuse to fight we refuse to strive and until we make that a lifestyle choice that we will not uh, sway from there's no option for us then we're going to miss things that are God and could even be right there before our eyes because the only one the only way we'll see the Lord is if we're following peace with all people and holiness now holiness is a pure life holiness can be seen as doing what God shows us to do it's being in a place and position where you and I are secure that we've done what He's shown us. And the only way that our heart can, can condemn us and we can have shame and guilt on the inside is if we knew to do something and we did not do it. So you and I can see that purity and holiness, that's what it is. 
is that we can stand before God and go, God, everything you showed us, we did that. The best that we knew, the best that we saw, we did it. And then you can stand before him without any blame on the inside of you, without any condemnation. Why? Because you did everything you saw. And so this is the only way that we'll ever see anymore. This is the only way that we'll see him and what is his. Now it says in the 15th verse, looking diligently. Now that's grace. There's grace to be diligent, and we may talk more about that later. But looking diligently, lest any, or you could say unless any, fail of the grace of God. Now that word fail also brings to note lack. So you could say unless any lack the grace of God. Um, And it continues and says, lest any or unless any root of bitterness springing up trouble and thereby many be defiled. So he's talking to this as a group, and he's saying, look, diligent. Now, I'm going to read to you in the Amplified Classic version in that 15th verse, and it says, exercise foresight, look ahead, and be on the watch to look after one another to see that no one falls back from and fails to secure God's grace. Now, it emphasizes and says his unmerited favor and and spiritual blessing in order that no root of resentment, rancor, bitterness, or hatred shoots forth and causes trouble and bitter torment and the many become contaminated and defiled by it. This bitterness is, from what we see here, it is... One of the primary characteristics of someone that is lacking the grace of God, failing of the grace of God, and the humble get more of God's grace. God, he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And we'll find, in fact, we've been talking about humility and we've looked at the picture of pride. We've looked at Satan himself being the picture of pride, that he was in his heart he was lifted up and puffed up in himself and he was speaking of himself great swelling words he was going to be like the most high god and in doing that they found that one of the fruit of satan in that time where iniquity was found in him that there was violence that was also found he became violent he became bitter he was not content with his position god created him beautifully But that wasn't enough for him. He wanted and for him required more. He required to be like God himself or nothing else at all. And he became nothing. And so we find this bitterness at the core of someone who's lacking or someone who has failed of the grace of God. And it continues and says that that issue of the bitterness doesn't just affect that person it brings others down with them and if it's allowed then it will completely go through a community and take many others down with it and here it says that they would be defiled they would it started talking about holiness and seeing god and now it's saying this bitterness being allowed in would actually defile defile would be desecration it would be if something was pure holy and clean it's now dirtied it's now spotted and needs to be cleaned and now it continues and said 
lest, or you could say unless, there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. Now it calls him a fornicator, that's one who sells something, sells themselves, sells what is, you know, of their own. And he's also called a profane person. Now this um, is also known to be a sessible person, it's known to be a heathen or a wicked person. Wicked. Wicked is much like wicker material, it's twisted, it's perverted. And this is what Satan does. And anyone who allows him influence, this is where perversion itself comes from. Where something that's of a truth and of the right way is taken and twisted. And something else is made into it. You know, a half-truth is a whole lie. The truth was taken, maybe just a little bit was changed. That's twisted. And that's no longer the truth. That's no longer honesty. And this is what Satan does. He'll present something that seems and looks so right. There's just a small little bit that you have to overlook and act as if you don't notice that. Because it looks so good. It's just that. That's twisted. That's perverted. That's what we need to look for. Because he'll quote us scriptures. He'll bring us to places in the Bible and try and get us to believe something. And we need to be able to, to note and go, okay, but that's not over here. That's not throughout. He, he has the audacity to quote scriptures to Jesus, the Son of God, our Lord and Savior. You'd think he would have any problems bringing scriptures to your mind, trying to get you off of God's perfect will? Not at all. He wants nothing more than for all the good things that God has graciously given and put in our possession to become useless and be nothing to us. He wants nothing more than for us to fail of the grace of God. And this is how He does it. And so, this is giving us a picture that I, I didn't realize it was as connected as it is. And so, I think we need to look at this. Esau is given as an example of someone who failed of the grace of God. And it tells us that he did it for a morsel of meat. For one meal, he sold what was good and God in his life. For one meal. And there are some things, I, I, I sense this came to me as, as I was looking at this, that God put this in my heart. We need to realize that there are things that are not for sale. And when it comes to God in our life, when it comes to things that are of God, there's no price. There's no buying power. There's not enough price for you to get us to not do what God tells us to do. And we've seen that personally. I, I know it. I, I know times where we were supposed to do something and someone that was back there said, well, what will it take for you to stay? What will it take for you to not go do that? And I realize we're, we have to do it. It's not an option. We're to do it. And what does that mean? That means, no, I won't take the extra money. No, I won't uproot my family. No, I won't, right? No, it's not. It's too high a price to pay stepping out of the will of God. There are some things that there's no price that you can buy from our life. And... So let's go together. It said that who for one morsel of meat he sold his birthright. 
And it says in the 17th verse, For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing. So this was the issue, and it was completely connected. He would have inherited the blessing. He was rejected. He was rejected. The, that word could mean disapproved. He did not qualify. He was disqualified for the blessing. And this goes against what a lot of people believe. Because they believe if God has something for you, if it's for you, it's for you forever and always. Not for Him. He had a time in which He could make it right and it could work in His life. And that time came and went. And for him, we'll, we'll see this. Let's read it together. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. He could not make it right. It left him. And it's possible that there are things that are of God in our life or that we will intersect in time to come. And it's dependent upon whether we qualify, whether we enjoy it, whether it works in our life. And it is possible that you and I can qualify or disqualify ourselves of the grace of God. And so let's go together and, and look at this a little further and go to Genesis 25. Genesis 25. And we're going to look at verse 23 to start. And of course, this would be great for you to read through at your leisure. But um, we're going to, for time's sake, I'm going to kind of go through this a little quicker. But in the right timing. Genesis 25, 23. <clears throat> Hallelujah. And it says here in the 23rd verse, And the Lord said to her, Now he's speaking to Rebecca. He's speaking, she uh, has this, Hallelujah this wonderful uh, pregnancy now, and she's due, and the Lord speaking to her about her children to be. And he tells her, he says to her, two nations are in your womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from your, from your uh, bowels, it says, but from, from you. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. Now that is not usual. That's not a usual case. Now let's continue and go to verse 29 through 34. And Jacob, it says, and I'll give you time to put it up, but it says, Jacob sawed pottage. Now they've grown up, and Jacob is, you know, sawing pottage, creating, uh, boiling this pottage, the pottage, I'm sorry, this stew. And um, Esau came from the field, and he's faint. He is tired and wore out. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray you, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. And Jacob said, Sell me this day your birthright. Now this is not a great brotherly love story, right? I mean, that's not the right thing to do. And this is a seed sown that, that he himself, Jacob, he paid for. He, he served plenty of years of his life. He was tricked out 10 plus times for his own income in time to come from his uncle. So you don't want to do this kind of thing. But this does show the value he had for God's things. The value he had 
hallelujah, for God in his life. And so he's selling pottage to his brother for the birthright. Now birthright, that seems like responsibility, right? The right of your birth has inheritance following with it, but there's also a work that's involved, right? And um, right now, that doesn't seem like a big deal to Esau. And so, 32nd verse says, And Esau said, Behold, or look, I'm at the point to die. Now, I'm sure he ate the day before. So how, many, how long has he gone without a meal? But to him, the pottage seems a lot more valuable. Because to him, he's at the point of death. How you and I see something, again, we saw that earlier. We can see it right or not based on this principle. Based on, thank you Lord, putting the grace of God to work in our life. Trusting and relying upon Him and upon what He's given us and putting that to work. It can cause us, and, and also living a peaceful lifestyle. Living a lifestyle that's not fighting and fussing enables us in purity to see God. And to see what's his. And to see what is of true value. And so here he's saying, I'm at the point to die. And what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, swear to me this day. And he swore to him. And he sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils. And he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright this word despise you could think he thought little of it he disesteemed it it meant he did not value the birthright now let's go to genesis 27 verse 1 just a few pages ahead here genesis 27 1 <clears throat> and we're going to go up through verse 5 to start and it came to pass that when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his oldest son, and said to him, My son. And he said to him, Look, here, I, here am I. Here I am. And he said, Behold, now I'm old. I know not the day of my death. Now, therefore, take, I pray you, your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and take me some venison. And make me savory meat, such as I love. I want you to use that spice and pepper just the way I like it. You know, put some of that in there. Yeah, that's it, boy. That's what he's telling him to do. And he says, and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. He's wanting his last meal. And Rebekah heard when Isaac spake to Esau, his son. And Esau went to the field to hunt for venison and to bring it. Now let's go up to verse 8. <clears throat> and so now Rebecca is speaking to Jacob and she says now therefore my son obey my voice according to that which I command you go now to the flock fetch me from there two good kids of the goats and I will make them savory meat for your father such as he loves and you shall bring it to your father that he may eat and that he may bless you before his death and Jacob said to Rebecca his mother behold Esau my brother is a hairy man I'm a smooth man my father peradventure will feel me and shall seem to him as a deceiver. I shall seem to him as a deceiver. And I shall bring a curse upon me and not a blessing. And his mother said to him, Upon me be your curse, my son. Only obey my voice and go fetch me them. And he went and fetched and brought them to his mother. And his mother made savory meat such as his father loved. 
And Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau, which were with her in the house, put them upon Jacob, her younger son, and she put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hands and upon the smooth of his neck, and she gave the savory meat and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. And he came to his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I. Who are you, my son? And Jacob said to his father, 19th verse, I am Esau, your firstborn. I've done according as you bade me. Arise, I pray you, sit and eat of my venison, that your soul may bless me. And Isaac said to his son, How is it that you found it so quickly, my son? Notice there's something wrong with this. Already he notices it. And he said, You know, it was so quick. And um, he said, Because the Lord your God brought it to me. And Isaac said to Jacob, Come near, I pray you, that I may feel you, my son whether you be my very son Esau or not. And Jacob went near to Isaac his father, and he felt him, and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. So he knows still something's not right. And he discerned him not because his hands were hairy, as his brother Esau's hands. So he what? He blessed him. Who? Who did he bless? The one who valued the birthright. The one who didn't sell what God had given him. This is the one who God could bless. And yes, all the ways in which he got it were not right. But this is the kind of person that God could bless. One who loves his things and is willing to lay hold and hold fast to his things. No matter what. In right heart, yes. Wants him and his things. Thank you, Lord. And um, so he blessed him. And uh, got to catch what verse I was at. Lost my place there for a minute. And um, I know we're about 20. And he said, yes, sir. Thank you. And yeah, 24, I believe. And he said, are you my very son Esau? And he said, I am. And he said, bring it near to me and I will eat of my son's venison that my soul may bless you. And he brought it near to him and he did eat and he brought him wine and he drank. And his father Isaac said to him, come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him and he smelled the smell of his raiment and blessed him and said, see, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Therefore, God give you of the dew of heaven. Oh, my. And the fatness of the earth and plenty of corn and wine. Let people serve you, and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brethren, and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone that curses you, and blessed be he that blesses you. And it came to pass, as soon as Isaac had made an end of blessing Jacob, and Jacob was yet scarce gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, that Esau his brother came in from his hunting. And he also made savory meat and brought it to his father and said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's venison that your soul may bless me. And Isaac his father said to him, Who are you? And he said, I'm your son, your firstborn Esau. And Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, Who? Where is he that, take, that has taken venison and brought it me? And I've eaten of all before you came and have blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed oh my I know I'm going very quick but I, I want to get this to you guys this is the one who was blessed and he's making it very clear here in the 34th verse and when Esau heard the words of his father he cried with a great and exceeding what? bitter cry 
and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, my father. Oh, my father. And he said, Your brother came with subtlety and has taken away your blessing. So you notice what? This was his, but he disqualified of it. And it's no different with the grace of God in our life, that it is ours. It has been given to us, but we can disqualify ourselves of it. We can allow it to be there and think nothing of it. And what? Disqualify. And it do us no good. The blessing there, it did him no good. The birthright there did him no good. But someone else did value it, and God could get it to them. And it also means that you and I can value this great grace. We can value what God has given us. And as we do, it will serve us well. We will put it to work and we will enter in and be useful to God like few can. Hallelujah. Because of his great grace upon us. And now he again is, is bitterly, right? In bitterness, weeping and wanting this blessing. And 36 verse, and he said, is not he rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright. Notice, he didn't take it away. It was sold. So Esau is not being as honest as he could be. He's not looking at it as in, I sold the birthright. He's looking at, he took it. And you'll find this in bitterness, is that it's always looking to be a victim. And what they did, and what... I have suffered because of what they did and it's always trying to point blame instead of adjust and see how should I change it's looking to point and accuse blame we're talking about how you and I could exercise and find great grace and have it working in our life or not and for him it wasn't why because he's seeking to point blame and do less Whereas he could adjust to do more. And there's a big difference between how you get the grace is in that humility. And so here, hallelujah. He's saying, behold, now he's taken away my blessing. And he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? And Isaac answered and said to Esau, behold, I've made him your Lord. And all his brethren have I given to him for servants. And with corn and wine have I sustained him. And what shall I do now to you, my son? And Esau said to his father, Have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lift up his voice and wept. And Isaac his father answered and said to him, Behold, your dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth, and of the dew of heaven from above. And by your sword shall you live, and shall serve your brother. And it shall come to pass, when you shall have the dominion, that you shall break his yoke from off your neck. And Esau, what? hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my for um, my father are at hand. Then will I slay my brother Jacob. Bitterness wants to kill. Bitterness wants someone else to feel as bitter as they do. Now let's look again to Hebrews 12 in closing, I believe. Hebrews 12, let's look back there. Now, that's Old Covenant, but why is it bringing this back to our attention in Hebrews? Because those things were for our examples. 
that we should not fall into the same problem and area of the the word of God not working in our life because it's very possible if we don't mix faith if we don't trust God and rely upon what he's committed to us in this grace and recognize it and put it to work in our life that we don't choose to think and talk and act as if we don't know what we're going to say and we don't know how we're going to do it and it, no we do and it won't be us I should say it won't be of us. It will be through us, but it will be of God because he has greatly graced us, which means we'll do it like few can. We'll say it like many don't. Hallelujah. We'll know and we will see it like few are ever able to because great grace is upon us. And here, let's look at it again. 12, Hebrews 12. Let's look at verse number 15. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. And it says here in 15, Looking diligently, lest any fail of the grace of God. Now, in the Amplified Classic, I'll read that. It says, Exercise foresight and be on the watch to look. This is this diligent looking is, is on the ready. It's looking and watching out. What? That none of us fail of God's grace. That we're not lacking in God's grace. How is it that grace works? By faith. It's by grace through faith. Grace is always going to work through faith. If you and I don't trust and rely upon God and trust in this great grace that He's given unto us, then it's not at work. Grace works through faith. We must feed our faith on this. We must rely and trust in what God has done if this grace is to work through our faith. And so he says, lest any fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble, and thereby many be defiled. It is a great help to our churches and to our ministries that we feed faith on the grace of God and part of this grace thank you Lord is that there's not this bitterness because when grace is working faith is in action it's by grace through faith so you won't see great grace until you see faithfulness and where you see faithfulness you see joy and peace in believing God and in this place of faith, in this lifestyle of faith, where joy and peace abounds, bitterness is hard to come by. And you don't find people upset and unsatisfied and worried about what they didn't get and who doesn't like them and all. They are just unconcerned about that. They are too busy putting great grace to use and exercising what God's given them and doing the work of the kingdom. They don't have time to be bitter. Hallelujah. They're too full of faith. And that's why we're talking about it. Because this is how we have faith for it. It's by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. And so he continued and he said, Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright, for you know, he's expecting we know this, how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, 
He's rejected. He was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. My friends, that does not have to be us. And right now by faith, let's lay hold to this great grace. And let's profess, let's keep this in our hearts and in our minds. And as we go forth through our our days, let's remind ourselves, great grace is upon us. And I'm not worried about what I'm going to say in that meeting. I'm not worried about what I'm going to do about that. I'm not, God's going to show me exactly what I need to say. I'm going to know it. I'm going to know exactly what I need to do. I'm going to have all the power in which to do it. I'm going to have more life in me than I've known in days past. I'm going to be so quickened, life moving through me, God's life, because of His great grace upon me. Amen. Thank you, Father. So there's much more to see in this area. Come back for more with us. Share this with your friends, with those you're connected to. Let it bless them. Let them feed their faith on the grace of God in their life. Because there are things that are connected that they need to do. And it's connected with His Word working in their life. We love you. We bless you. And we will see you soon. Hallelujah.